Hello, I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. If you listened to Monday's episode, you heard Katie and I talking about how Katie noticed that all the accordionists seem to have disappeared from Rome streets, a city that was once so full of accordionists that you could find one practically, I'm not going to say on any street corner, but if you're sitting in a cafe or a restaurant with a sidewalk table, more likely than not, an accordion player is going to come by at some point during your meal. That's how common accordion players in Rome used to be. And it got us talking not only about the things that change in a city and the things that you notice when you come back after a long time. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. But it also um, made me think about the fact that accordion music is not really an important part of Italian folk music. Not to say that it doesn't exist, but it's really more of an Eastern European folk music tradition than an Italian one. And this is something that not a lot of tourists who come to Rome understand. Uh, You hear it so much on the streets that you naturally assume that it's something that's very traditional here. And of course, since tourists adore experiencing the true traditional aspects of a place, uh, or what they think are the true traditional aspects of the place, the city's buskers have cooperated and they have provided this accordion music, when in reality, it's really not that traditional. And so it got me thinking about other things that you can find in the city, or perhaps that you expect to find as a tourist, that you think are totally traditionally Italian, but actually are not. And accordion music is probably one of the biggest. And just sort of the street music in general, I think, does not really represent, for the most part, Italian traditional music. I am not able to do an episode on Italian traditional music. I don't know enough about it unless you want to talk about opera, but I did a a mini episode on opera a while back, so you can go back and listen to that. Anything more recent than that, I am not the person to be talking about it. But um, I came up with some other things, and they're almost all food items, things that tourists coming to Italy expect to see and expect to experience, but they do not find them or they only find them in the very touristy places. One of those things is a classic Italian, quote-unquote, dish, fettuccine alfredo. Fettuccine alfredo was actually invented in Italy, but it was invented for an American actor, Douglas Fairbanks, a 1920s silent film actor who was also a huge heartthrob. He was here in Rome on his honeymoon with Mary Pickford, and he went into a restaurant, which was called D'Alfredo, and he asked for, I suppose it must have been fettuccine in some kind of a creamy sauce, and it wasn't creamy enough for him. And he wanted more butter and more cream. And they obliged, of course, because he was so famous and so well-known. And they came up with this pasta dish, which has what they call double cream and double butter. It is not in any Italian local cuisine. It is something that was totally invented for Douglas Fairbanks. Not to say anything against it. Every so often in the States, I'm, I mean, 
not so much anymore, but I definitely used to enjoy it. It's a bit heavy for me now, but it's simply not Italian. Another thing that's not Italian is what Americans call pepperoni. Um, if you ask for pizza with pepperoni in Italy, they will assume you mean pepperoni, which are peppers. And they will bring you a, a pizza with peppers on it. And you might be disappointed. The little sausages, the spicy little sausages that we call pepperoni are not a traditional Italian sausage or salami. And they don't generally appear on pizza. There is something that is comparable, which is called pizza al diavolo, the devil's pizza, uh, because it does have spicy salami on it. It's just not the little what you would consider pepperoni, the small ones that you'd find on your Domino's pizza. Another one is garlic bread. Again, this is something that you, there is an equivalent in Italy, but it's, it's not exactly the same. In an Italian restaurant, you can order bruschetta. And that is generally a loaf of peasant bread, not a baguette, but a loaf of sort of very, very crusty white peasant bread. And it is sliced and it's quite a, a long slab of bread, sometimes cut in half. And they put it in the oven after rubbing it with garlic. You will not find actual pieces of garlic on it. You will not find crushed garlic on it. You will not find butter on it. Um, they literally just rub a piece of cut garlic onto the bread before putting it in the oven. And um, I believe a little bit of olive oil and salt on top. And sometimes you can get it with toppings like chopped tomatoes or olive pate, things like that. And it's delicious, but you're not going to get the baguettes that you cut open and there's like cloves of garlic in them. And it's so excessively garlicky that you basically can't taste the bread for how much garlic is in there. Another one, huge classic spaghetti with meatballs. Most of you listening out there probably know this, that spaghetti with meatballs is not a traditional Italian dish. I've heard people say that there are there is some small town somewhere in the north of Italy that serves very small meatballs on pasta. But if it is true, first of all, I, I have no way of verifying that. It's just someone I was talking to, an Italian, told me that it's a possibility. But it is definitely not common. And you're not going to find it with you know, the tomato sauce, the Lady in the Tramp style tomato sauce. In fact, Italians only know spaghetti with meatballs from Lady in the Tramp. That's the only time and the only place that they've ever seen it. Not to say they don't eat meatballs. They do eat meatballs. I share a meatball, my mother-in-law's meatball recipe on one of our bonus episodes coming out sometime this summer. So if you're interested in hearing my mother-in-law's meatball recipe, which is amazing, then become a patron so you can hear that. Um, just join us over on patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast. Yes, meatballs do exist. Polpette, they're delicious. I eat the chicken ones, but of course they make beef veal as well, but you just don't see them served on pasta. Another thing you don't see on pasta ever, I mean, it's hard to say ever because Italy has such varied cuisine from region to region that you never know what might be done somewhere that nowhere else in the country does, like meatballs on pasta. Hey, but you never see chicken on pasta. I feel like chicken on pasta is such a common thing in the States, especially if it's a creamy sauce. You are not going to see that here. If you asked for it, it would be, you know, people, people would be very confused. And the last very, very traditional 
what I would call Italian-American dish is spaghetti alla bolognese, which has a very Italian-sounding name. So you would think it is Italian, but you will never find this name, spaghetti alla bolognese, on a menu. What you will find is pappardelle al ragù. And it is a traditional dish of Emilia-Romagna, Bologna. So the name does ring true in some sense, but it is different type of pasta. It's not spaghetti, it's pappardelle, which are more, there, it's an egg pasta and it's bigger and flatter. And ragu can be made in, with many different types of meat. Um, so you, you don't just have your regular beef ragu, you can have veal ragu, you can have ragu made of hair, hair like rabbit, not like hair on your head. And even I've seen in a very, very non-traditional restaurant, turkey ragu, which kind of goes against what I was saying about never having chicken on pasta. Although, of course, chicken and turkey are not the same animal. But this was a very, very inventive, semi-gourmet restaurant, not traditional. But usually you're going to see veal, beef, or hair. Those are the ones that come to me as far as food. And, you know, you've also got your, like, red and white checkered tablecloth look, which again, I think people, I mean, not to harken back to Lady and the Tramp, but the shoe fits, this idea that you're going to find an Italian restaurant with a red and white checkered tablecloth, the big waiter with the big white apron on and the mustaches. I asked my husband to give me some suggestions for this episode. And all he really could come up with was mustaches. He said, Italian men they don't wear a mustache more than men from any other place. It's not a particularly Italian thing to wear a mustache. It was only very common when mustaches were common everywhere, like in the 20s, 30s, that period. So that's his contribution to this episode. And lastly, and this might kind of be off topic, some of the temples in Italy that you've probably seen in photographs, the temples in Agrigento or the city of Pestum, not far from Naples, there are a lot of really beautiful and very impressive ancient ruins of temples in southern Italy and Sicily, which you would naturally just assume are Roman, but they're actually Greek. The Greeks controlled the southern part of Italy and Sicily, and so most of the ancient ruins that you see there, particularly temples, are Greek ruins, not Roman ruins. Before I sign off, I just wanted to tell you and Katie, just a few days after we recorded Monday's episode, talking about how all the accordionists were inexplicably gone, I was out doing a tour, and as I was crossing the Ponte Sisto Bridge, I saw not just any accordionist, but our very favorite accordionist. And I managed to record a little bit of her playing. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again.